there's community around art and there and specifically in my life there's community around my music and that was really incredible to me because I think I had forgotten that uh, just in the day-to-day grind of life. <laughs> Welcome to The Resistance, a podcast that features honest discussion with meaningful artists about the opposing forces we all face when moving toward our better selves. I'm your host, Matt Connor. Dennison Whitmer described it as a full stop to find a healthy headspace. It's hard enough to balance family and career, but even the vocational side was filled with tension for Whitmer. On the one hand, he wanted the space to make music. On the other, he needed to use his carpentry talents to actually make money. That's a tension we all feel, right? Art and commerce. Is what we're chasing a hobby or is it a business? And how far do we chase the thing that we want at the cost of what we currently have? After years of facing the resistance and trying to find a happy medium with it all, Dennison decided to simply call it off. The dreams were set aside. The goals were unfulfilled. It was time to fully give himself over to one side or the other. As a family man, there's no contest. The last time we heard from Dennison Whitmer, the musician, was 2013. It was a self-titled release that was beautiful and intimate. Everything we've come to love about Dennison over the years. 20 years, in fact. These days, however, things are coming back around. Whitmer's busy creating new music in response to a fan who surprised him with a matching grant for donations from other fans all intended to fund a brand new album, the first in six years. While it's great to know that Dennison is back with new music and that more is coming soon, the reality is his struggle was very real in the moment. Six years of silence. Six years of setting aside a dream. Six years of goals and ideas of things you chased, all of a sudden, for nothing. For what? It's often impossible to know if we're doing the right thing when we give ourselves over to something creative. Is it a healthy drive or is it unhealthy? Is it worth taking a physical toll or worth losing time with family? What is worth the sacrifice and how do you know if you've gone overboard? This episode of The Resistance with Dennison Whitmer focuses on all of this and more. It's an honest conversation with an artist who's simply trying to make the best choices he can in the moment for him and his family. Welcome back to season one of The Resistance. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm your host. Uh, What matters far more than that is the fact that today we're sitting down with a favorite artist of mine, Dennison Whitmer. Dennison, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, thanks. I want to lead out the way that we're leading out every episode in this first season, just to really help establish um, where we're going and why we're going there by reading from Stephen Pressfield's book, The War of Art. It's kind of our source material for what even the term the resistance means. And Dennison, I'm hoping after I just read these couple sentences that that will kind of set up the conversation for us because I'd love your response to what Pressfield writes, if that's cool. Yeah, sure. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between the two, stands resistance. 
I guess for you, having a your last album officially came out five going on six years ago, what does resistance look like for you um, since it's been a little while and yet I know some things are in the works? Yeah, I mean, so for me, it's a constant push and pull uh, and balance. And it's also been, um, as you're reading that, I was thinking, what resistances have I had that I've realized are actually... Um, you know, more life-giving than I've given them credit for. Um, and uh, what resistances have I, you know, created in my own mind? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, I, I've, I have two little kids now, <laughs> and it sounds terrible to say that they are a resistance because they definitely aren't. But the lifestyle of having two little kids um, was a major change for me, you know, going from 20 years of touring um, and, um, you know, kind of having my schedule be whatever I want to having a home life where, um, I'm stationary and, um, you know, I'm really focusing on this new creative endeavor, which is honestly the most creative thing I've done, which is, uh, raising, raising two little boys with my wife. And, um, you know, I've had moments where I've been like, wow, my time is no longer my own. You know, how do I find that creative space? in balance to being a father. Um, and, um, the way I had to do it was just to be like, well, like I just said, you know, having that realization that this is actually the most creative thing I've ever done. And how do I, um, just accept that and be fully present in that for a while and know that I'll come back to music at some point. Um, so yeah, we can get into all that. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, because I'm finally starting to come back to the surface, you know, as the musician that I know myself to be. Um, and I'm having to find my way back to that. Um, and it's been an interesting negotiation uh, with myself and my um, my talent. And what I mean by talent, meaning like relearning how to play guitar almost and yeah. or, you know, relearning how to sing the way that I want to sing. All these things that I took a long break from um, – that I kind of had to teach myself to do again. But but those things were always part of me. They're always inside of me. And it is true what they say, the cliche, you know, it's like riding a bike, you know, you get back on it and you eventually you figure it out again. But um, the painful part is the, the process of, of uh, you know, I just went into the studio to start a new project. And, you know, I spent probably three or four days by myself in the studio here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I live. And, I played guitar to a click track. I did some um, scratch vocals. You know, I thought I was doing my final vocals. I mean, who knows? I thought I was making a record, you know? <laughs> and I listened back to it two weeks later, and I was like, wow, this is terrible. You know, all of the vocals are like, like the songs are like in the wrong key or the tempo's wrong. And, you know, I was really depressed for a couple of days, and then I just realized this is just process. You know, this is just me getting back to the person I know myself to be. And that takes time, you know? And so that acceptance of the fact that it takes time really helped me. Um, and now I feel much more, uh, like a musician I know myself to be, and I feel much more enabled and empowered to, uh, keep making music again. So, mm. yeah. You opened a few doors. I'd like to go in and, the, the first being the familial aspect of this, when you, uh, you know, you said, oh, then I realized that my most creative thing I could be doing, you know, like, like this great undertaking is like raising these children, which I could totally see that as like, yes, that's, that's true. I have a four-year-old 
boy myself. Um, at the same time, it sounds also like very, um, like that sounds like a very, very positive spin of maybe something that was a little bit more difficult to learn than just like making that quick switch. Like, was that an easy switch for you or did that take some time to sort of sift through that? It definitely took a lot of time. I mean, um, uh, you know, what's the best way to say it? You know, I think that all of us have visions of, you know, the type of uh, creativity that we want to put into the world, you know, and the timelines and the um, projects that I've kind of projected for myself, you know, when um, I'll go back a little bit, you know, right when I I relocated back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where I grew up, my my wife and I moved back here about four or five years ago now. And um, I was in the middle of making a holiday record. Actually, I just started it. And then we saw an opportunity to buy a new home. And so we moved and I shelved that record. And then relocating back to Lancaster, it was pretty obvious that our house needed a bunch of work. And I'm a carpenter as well. So, and I like to do that. So I got sidetracked with that. And then I was like, oh, wow. Well, well, if I'm not touring and I'm not making a record, I've got to come up with some type of income. So I started a carpentry business. And, you know, one thing led to another. And the next thing I know, you know, there's this like part of me that feels like, um, well, I have, a, I have a lyric in a new song of mine where the lyric says, you know, I think I'm grieving the death of part of me. And I think that that feeling took me a while to understand that like there was a person inside of me that uh, I just didn't feel like I had access to, or I kept kind of kicking the can down the road and being like, I'll come back to that person. I'll come back to that person. And with, with, uh, with family life and all the moving parts of family life and two kids, um, you know, I see it in my wife too. You know, there's so many things that she wants to do that um, we are now finally figuring out how to balance against um, just the busyness of our of our lives and the demands of of children. And it's delicate, right? Because you don't want to resent your children. You know, it's like it's, you know, like. But I think everybody has those moments where you're like, I don't resent my kids, but I resent the fact that I've got to like you know, have like a two hour bedtime routine every night sometimes when I'd rather be trying to play guitar or sometimes when I'm trying to play guitar, my kids just want to come up and be, you know, hanging out with me, which is great. And there's no, there's no other better thing in the world. But, you know, when they're just like strumming on the guitar at the same time as you're trying to work out a guitar part, you realize, oh, I've got to reserve this for a time when they're not around. And by the end of the day, sometimes you're really tired and you just want to lie down, you know? And so, um, yeah, you know, I think it's. I'm not. I'm not uh, afraid to say that I've had those moments where I've been really frustrated and very, um, uh, sadly, you know, resentful of of um, of the life that I built for myself. And that sounds so terrible. And so I have to, like, you know, uh, I have to backtrack a little bit, or not backtrack, but I have to offer, you know, the other side of that, which is an, a very valid and big part of me, which is that um, I. I really believe that children are the most creative thing that, you know, I can do, you know, and, and what I mean by that, it's like, it's, it's a collaboration, like no other collaboration I've been part of, you know, and with the song, you know, I can rework it and work it and work it to the point where I can get it wherever I want and I get to put it into the world. Um, and with children, you know, you're just trying to set a moral code and at any point they can say to you, 
you know, uh, no, I don't want to do that. You know, there's free will, right? <laughs> and it's actually really beautiful because if what they're saying no to isn't against your moral code, then you have to be like, oh, this is just your personality. You're really into this one thing. Well, I'm going to foster that and I'm going to follow you through that journey. And it's uh, I've learned so much about myself uh, by following my children's interests you know, and by encouraging them. And that's been a real encouragement to me. And it's been very exciting for me. And so I just, you know, I kind of decided to just go full stop on music for a while to, to focus on that. Um, because I didn't want to feel the resentment and I didn't want to feel, um, I didn't want to feel like I was missing out on anything. And I didn't want to feel, I no longer wanted to feel guilty for, you know, the career that I built either. I didn't want to feel like, oh, I really should be doing music. I really should be doing music. Like, why am I pushing it to the side? Why am I pushing it to the side? I just wanted to relieve myself of all of that and say, you know what? Like, that part of me is still there. I just have to take a break from it and give this 100% of my attention until I have the mental capacity to do both. Um, and I'm finally at that place now, you know, so. When you, you know, earlier you said, you referred to it as like, it's just going to be full stop for a bit. Did you know that that last part was true for a bit from the outside looking at, I'll say it this way. You had 15 years. Um, and I've, I've never interviewed an artist who didn't use like your last album was a self-titled and mm -hmm. anyone I've ever talked to who used the self-titled approach after the first album did so because it was so intensely personal. So, like from the outside looking in, it seems like, oh gosh, he had a 15 year career. It, it ended with his, <laughs> he said, this, like, here's my, here's a personal album. Mm -hmm. There it is. And, and like, have you, have you encountered people who thought that maybe you were done? And did you yourself think that maybe you were done or was that never on the table for you? I mean, it's insight. It's a really insightful question. Um, I definitely self-titled it because in some part of my mind, it felt like a bookend. And I said to myself, well, if this is, you know, if this is going to be my last formal record um, as Dennis and Whitmer, then I want to self-title it. And, you know, I feel like I said everything I wanted to say at that time, you know. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, there was a little part of me that, that thought maybe um, maybe that was my last album. Um, you know, I, I also, you know, I'm not a huge artist, you know, it's like I've got a fan base, but I don't, you know, I'm not playing, you know, 300 capacity rooms, you know, consistently, like, you know, most of my fans are in the same place in their life that I am, which is that we all uh, uh, have families now or obligations that um, take up a lot of our time. And so, you know, the ticket price of a show is no longer just the show, it's the babysitter and the scheduling and the whole thing, you know. <laughs> And, and I'm not one of those artists where, you know, when I announce a tour, people are like, buy the tickets the first night, you know, like we're going to get the babysitter scheduled and it's just like on the calendar in advance. I, I, I live in people's lives the same, you know, well, I guess, you know, I did a living room tour a few years ago and I, I actually really enjoyed it because to me it was like, oh, this is where my songs were written and this is where they need to be performed. And this is the way my songs relate to people. Like I just kind of live alongside of them, you know? And I realized that recording was really the best way forward for me as a career. But then I was also really um, disheartened by the amount of money that I could make off of recorded music, you know, in terms of surviving. And, you know, 
I'll, I'll say this. I didn't, you know, I didn't really uh, transition with technology as, as well as I could have. And some of that has to do with just the place in my life I was in as things were getting busier. But now I'm starting to understand that there is money to be made out of Spotify. There is more opportunity for um, song placements in film and television. And there's, there's ways to make a living making music. Um, but I just... I didn't want to rely on that. So what I did is I, when I decided to um, kind of just focus on, I almost said focus on the family, <laughs> which I like, was like, as I was like, I'm like, I can't believe this is about to come out of my mouth. I can't believe this is about, it's like, I, this is not what I want to say. I don't want to be remembered as the guy who said focus on the family because I'm not into that James Dobson stuff at all. But I will say, you know, Although I do think Ford missed the perfect opportunity to release the Ford Focus on the Family model, which you know they should have been. <laughs> the yeah, the minivan, the Ford Focus, the minivan the version. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, basically, you know, I tried to actively sever the need for music to pay me in any way. I just didn't want to have my um, my living have to be music, and for a long stretch of my life, it did because I didn't have a, a, a backup plan. You know, it was like, well, I got to make some money. I got to go out on tour. Um, I got to put on another record. And um, I definitely burn out to some degree on that. And I was just like, well, I don't want music to have to pay me because I don't really know what the future of the business looks like. So I'm going to start something else um, that funds my life. And then um, I'll do music as a, a hobby um, and I'll release records when I can. And I have enough people out there who hopefully appreciate when I do. Um, and to be completely honest, you know, I, um, I think it was probably reactionary of me in some ways. And I think it was a little short sighted of me in other ways. And I think um, I'm now starting to understand that there may be a way for me to balance both of these careers that I have, my carpentry and my music alongside of each other. Um, and kind of just follow along and see which one, um, uh, see which one needs fostering at any given time, and try to kind of keep a foot in both worlds. So that's what I'm. It's kind of what I'm trying to envision for the next year or two of my life, anyway. How does that affect the way that you're? Um, I'm not sure how to phrase it. Like inspired. Uh, another when you say something like you wanted to put an end to the need for like to make a living monetarily mm -hmm. uh, that seems like a healthy cut except i know for some people it's a healthy thing to need it like that the hustle makes them do what they need to do make what they need to make you know it's like yeah. it drives them because they have to depend on it right and if and if not it becomes like a it, like an unused muscle like you know right. someone who just doesn't work out just for fun mm -hmm. so yeah, I guess I wonder for you, what is that relationship? Yeah, um, for me, it's never been monetary. You know, I think um, I realize that it's my creative outlet, uh, my emotional creative outlet. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just take a second to kind of explain to you where my brain is at. Like, yeah. So when I started carpentry, I do historic mill work and I do cabinetry and um a pretty specified type of carpentry. And, and what I realized about that is that it's an analytical creativity. You know, someone says, I need this thing built and I need it to match this exactly, or I have this design or I designed something. And I basically just, um, you know, 
draw up the plans, uh, execute, you know, assemble and deliver it or install it. And it's very analytical. It's just analytical creativity. I'm not an, a wood artist in the sense that I'm making sculptures. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not emotional creativity. And then music is, is emotional creativity for me. Um, because it was, it's always been just a journaling process. It was started as writing journals and then it became songs. And then, you know, it hasn't ever really changed. And I've, I very rarely set out to write about something specific. I'm usually just writing in reaction to my life, my thoughts, my epiphanies, like, you know, my desires, you know, that's just the way I write, you know? Um, and so I've never felt the need for that to pay me. You know, I've always felt very blessed that I was able to have a career um, and get paid to release music and tour. Um, but I never felt like it has to be the thing that, that pays me. Um, and I don't want it to be, I don't ever want to rely on it, you know, to, to be my income. Um, it doesn't help me make music in any way to, to know I'm being paid to do it. So, um, well, you know, actually, that's not entirely true. I mean, the the, tr the truth is that when I have money to ma to make more music, you know, when I have money for the time to be able to go into the studio and pay musicians and actually put a recording into the world, you know, all those things take money, obviously. So that's that's welcome income, you know. But um, uh, simply sitting, you know, in my house and writing a song, I don't feel the need to to be paid to do that. And, um, I went through a big phase where I thought, well, you know, I don't think anybody's going to hear some of these songs. And I've written a lot of songs over the last four years that if I had the funds and the time to go into the studio and record them and release them, um, people would, you know, they might've been able to work their way into people's lives, but some of them I can't even sing with personal conviction anymore. And they're probably lost, you know, they're gone. I, I, I say it's like, it's like fruit dying on the tree, you know, it's, it's no longer there. And, um, I grieve you know, I grieve the idea that I never released it and maybe some of them will come back around to me in a way where I'll relate to them again and I'll be able to sing them with personal conviction. But until then, you know, those songs are, are gone. I have to write something new. Um, and whatever I record next will be, will be a project that is just kind of a snapshot of where I am at this point a point in my life right now so has that always been one of the biggest creative uh, litmus tests or whatever if you will is like the conviction angle well yeah because if you're not being honest then what's the point <laughs> that's that's you know that's the way i i try to live my life you know um and that's what i expect from people who i call my friends you know it's like i i don't i don't care if people disagree with me i don't care if people think i'm wrong you know as long as someone's being honest with me that's you can work from that point you know you can you can have a healthy conversation and and um uh yeah i don't know exactly what i'm trying to say sorry but you know it's it's one of those things where it's like if, if someone's being honest with you you can't fault someone for feeling a certain way but those songs weren't dishonest no you're absolutely right those songs weren't dishonest um but when I sing them now, I think I've worked through some of those feelings and it doesn't feel great to revisit some of the, some of what I was going sure. through, you know, at those times. And, and I will say this too, you know, I am a white man in Trump's America right now. Like I, I don't, I don't 
I don't feel like I'm in a position to complain. I think I'm definitely in a position to to talk about my feelings. I think I'm definitely in a position to, um, yeah, well, like what I just said, be honest with people. But I, some of the songs that I wrote in the last couple of years, I just felt like I was trying to figure out what I was doing. And listening back to them, I just felt like I was complaining. And I am not you know, disenfranchised. I am not struggling. I mean, I have struggles, but, you know, in terms of what's actually going on in the world, I'm very, very fortunate. And I don't want to be associated with, um, with, uh, you know, this white guy complaining about his life. You know, there's, there's too much, there's too much to be joyful for. And there's, there's too many other causes that I can get involved with that would be a better use of my time. So, I'll, re- I'll release the songs that, that don't rub me the wrong way <laughs> when I sing them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but songwriting was at least helpful for you to work through that in the season that you were working through it. Oh, definitely. It's a, yeah, definitely. Writing in general. I mean, and, and I, um, you know, I will say part of not being paid, part of, you know, accepting that, you know, I don't need to be paid for it is also that freedom of saying, I can put these songs in a shoebox and stuff them under my bed and it doesn't matter. It's okay. It was the process of writing the song that's the cathartic, you know, necessary thing. Um, and, you know, I go back and forth on this too because I think, well, you know, I've always said, you know, create selfishly, give selflessly. You know, like that's the perfect mm-hmm. equation for me. When I can be as selfish as possible when I'm in my creative mindset and as selfless as possible when I'm in the sharing mindset, that's that's my best possible self you know but i also am understanding that um some things just don't need to exist outside of my own space you know it's like it's the same way it's like my wife keeps a journal you know and she's also a writer and we were talking about this the other night and she was just saying like i just feel like i'm you know she feels like her writing chops just aren't quite there right now she said you know, I read something I wrote before and I felt like it was so good and I felt like I was expressing my emotions in a way that I really wanted to and the language was colorful and it was concise and it was, you know, she's like, now when I write, I don't feel that way. And I said to her, well, you know, when you're writing your journal, you, you don't have an audience, do you? You're not planning on publishing your journals. And she's like, no, I'm not. And I said, well, you don't need to worry about it. Just write. You just have to get it out of you yeah. and worry about it later. If If you're going to share it with somebody worry about the editing, worry about um, how it appears and how you want to present yourself at a point where that's, that's important to you. But if it's not important to you, it just doesn't matter. It just gets in the way of your creative process. You just need to be, um, you just need to be free association, which is another thing that I really try to lean hard on. I love free association. I think that it is um, maybe the most true creative parts of ourselves you know to free associate um and that's always the way that i start songs is just to ad lib and come up with ideas and i figure like whatever's on my mind is going to come out of me and then i can i can edit it and shape it from there i'd love to get you to give us a tangible like like what does that look like for you like you just said you know sylvia cameron she would say get up 30 minutes early free write by hand before anyone else gets up, et cetera. Like, like what does your process look like in when you're in that mode? Well, um, that's a very, very good question, Matt, because my process is kind of just being reborn right now. Like I, I feel like as I am refocusing on music, I'm trying to figure out 
what that looks like for me to um, to spend time with focused uh, with focused work on the songs. I don't know. I'm a night owl, so usually it has it, it's a late night thing for me. Um, and it's just playing guitar on my couch and um, just, uh, like I said, ad-libbing lyrics until something takes shape. Mm. And then, you know, working on it from there. I do love the idea of getting up early and, and writing before anyone else gets up. But um, I'm, just, I'm just much more comfortable in the nighttime hours of, of my days. I see it for me being something that I do really late at night. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, ask ask me that question in a few months. You know, as I as I work on this new album. I mean, I'm I'm moving into making a new album now as the result of a fundraiser that I did. You know, through Instagram, um, just kind of telling my fans. I had a I had a really generous fan offer me um, a grant, a matching grant, if I had my fans raise the. Um, raised the the rest of the amount. So they they matched up to $5,000 and I had a week to raise the money. And so I was given between my fans and this, this generous donor, I was given $10,000 and yeah, it was such a beautiful experience. And in a lot of ways it really reconnected me to my creative self, just humbling myself and saying, okay, I have to do carpentry to keep my family in motion and I'm not going to make another album until I have time to to just hang up the carpentry tools and focus on writing. And so I used the money to get my album started. I've been up in the studio working on just getting the, um, the sketches of the songs into place and then recording some holiday songs as a gift to my fans, which I just put out like a free EP for people to, to download. Um, and I used some of the money, honestly, just to take a month and a half here to just actively write and go through my demos and be like, what was I doing for the last couple of years? You know, like, what was I, what was I writing? Like, what did, what was, was it all a mess or was anything good? You know, like what sticks out to me and it's all starting to take shape now. Um, and so I'm kind of actively working on music now uh, again, which is just really great. Dennison, tell me this: if your if your last album was 2013, and then here in the middle of 2018, a fan says, "Hey, I'm I'm going to you know I'm going to match five thousand dollars," and then all of your other fans come alongside and you receive this gift five years later, I'm just wondering what that tells you about your music. Um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, well, what it told me is that all the times in the last four years that I felt like I had a 20 year career that kind of ended in carpentry, like no real, (laughs) no real knowing whether or not I was going to make music again. And if people listen to it or if it means anything to them. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I get emails from people you know, occasionally saying, Hey, we're using one of your songs in our wedding or, you know, this song really touched me today or, you know, I'm back in the phase of listening to your music again. And, um, it's always been a real big part of my life. And like that stuff is not lost on me. I don't take any of that for granted. I absolutely, um, I'm just so thankful for it. So, um, but there's still the, you know, there's still long stretches of time where you just go, 
okay, what am I, you know, what am I doing? Like, did, did, does any of that matter? You know, that's, that's the, the self-doubt part of your brain, you know? And well, what the, what the fan that donated the money really taught me was that if I just go to people and I say, I, I'm, I need money to make some music, like, and this is the structure of, the, of it. And, you know, will you join in? Um, it was just really, um, for lack of a better word, it was a really heartwarming experience to be able to say to my fans, I want to make another record and I have some more songs I want to share with you and this is the only way it's going to happen and to have everyone rise to the occasion and support me. And in that, I got so many nice letters and so many people who donated way more than I was ever anticipating. You know, like several people who donated a couple hundred dollars who just said, I've been listening to your music on streaming services for the last several years, and this is my way of paying you back. Like there is value to that, and it was really beautiful. And um, honestly, it it gave me that feeling like, oh, I need to do, I need to put something, I need to give something back. You know, it was very, it was very. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It basically just created like a mutual understanding that you know. I'm sharing something with them and they're willing to share something back to me to be able to give back to them. And it was, you know, a very symbiotic relationship, um, which is really beautiful. So, Hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't really know where things are going to go with me, you know, and I'm not so concerned about that anymore. I just kind of feel like if I can make music and I can put it into the world when I can, I at least know there are people there who will, um, hopefully listen to it and hopefully it will work its way into their lives and um and that they'll be they'll be there for me when i need them as well which is really cool that's a wonderful illustration of what community can look like yeah thanks matt yeah and you know what you used the best word for it it's community that's really what it is it's the understanding that there's a community um there's community around art and there and specifically in my life there's community around my music and that was really incredible to me because I think I had forgotten that uh, just in the day-to-day grind of life um, mm. and and self-doubt and, you know, just all the things that consume us, um, social media, all that, you know, everything. And, and it's like a kiss and a curse, right? Like, I, like social media to me is just such a weird, uh, it's a really weird medium. Um, but in a situation like I'm currently in now, it's what got me back into being able to um, continue. So, um, I'm ultimately thankful for it as well. You've been listening to the resistance. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And for more information and further episodes, you can find us at listen to the Our theme is composed by Chad Howitt engineering, production, and additional music by Jay Kirkpatrick. My name is Matt Connor, and I'm your host. Join us for our next episode, a conversation with pop artist Sarah Joffe.